Well, welcome everybody. Uh, it's great to have you back with us for Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. Uh, my name is Scott Wilson and I have the privilege of being part of the team here at GMA. And uh, today we're joined by Leif Hetland himself. It's great to be with you. Thank you. <clears throat> and we also have a very special guest. We have Andy Piggott from Bethel New Zealand Church. And yeah. uh, we welcome you. Just an honor to be here. Thank you. It's, uh, we were just saying uh, this, is, uh, this is a very international podcast with, a, with an Aussie and a Kiwi and a Viking. So uh, <laughs> we're excited to bring, bring the nations together and uh, just, just have some time of conversation about uh, family and kingdom family and what it looks like from the lenses of sonship and also the lenses from a spiritual father. And uh, we've had a privilege of being with, uh, with Andy this morning as a team uh, just hearing some of his heart. And so we thought it'd be a great opportunity to uh, just really, uh, I suppose, flesh out what family looks like between between Leif and between Andy uh, with their church and running together with the family of families. So uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a back seat in this one and just and just hear the hearts of, of these two these two fine men. And uh, yeah, so I, I thought maybe a great place to start would be, uh, Leif, if you wanted to maybe just start with, where did you first hear about this this uh, tribe called Bethel New Zealand and this this Kiwi of, of Andy? Actually, uh, I found out there was a connection between us even before I knew about it because I was a, uh, a teacher during one of the conferences in Bethel, uh, Reading, and I, was the, I had the honor of speaking to the students and I still remember I probably gave them 40 messages in one because I was not prepared for the hunger and how they pulled from heaven. And in the middle of that, I made some statements. And later on, when I found out in 2012, which is about three years later, when uh, Andy and Matt and this team from Bethel, New Zealand, they came to the Philippines to our family, Destiny Ministry International. And they started to hear my name in regard to, wow, we've heard of him before. And they started to wow. talk a little bit about their journey in 2006. So we started to sense when Paul and Almira was telling me about this Bethel family in, in New Zealand that had visited them and just even there that I had influenced and they had heard. So, but it was another year before we actually just connected uh, face to face and heart to heart. And it was kind of a love with first sight. We did a big kingdom family gathering of our leadership there in the Philippines and and the whole the whole tribe were together and with that we had a group from from New Zealand a, a loud group of people that was wild and together with the rest of our family so we, mm. we realized there's kind of a family of families here and in the middle of it it didn't take a long time before we connected heart and and they had asked me then to come to New Zealand and, but it started a journey at that moment four years ago and uh, as I'm saying and we've been on a journey together as a family mm. and, and Travel together, love together, live life together, and I've got to know uh, Andy. I've got to know his natural family, his spiritual family, mm. the culture they carry, and I'm just so so grateful that he is here and just the value that he's adding to all of us mm. by being himself and the process that that he has been. So I'm excited to have you here. Love you much, Andy. <laughs> love you right back. So Andy, probably just for the people listening that that maybe have have not heard of you or don't know you, just maybe just tell us a little bit about your story. So I understand you, you you've been to you went through uh, the school in Bethel, uh, Reading, and uh, obviously your senior leader of Bethel, New Zealand, along with an amazing team. Maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, Fungare, the the town that you are in, and uh, sure. the church itself, just so that everybody gets to know that. Yeah, sure. Um, so. We were at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry uh, late 2008 right through to 2010 with my best friend 
uh, Matt Lansdowne and his amazing wife Renee and my wife. Um, that was a, that was before we had any kids. We were uh, flatmates. How many kids uh, do you have now? Roommates. I have three kids: okay. six, four, and two. Wow! And they are magnificent. But uh, we were roommates. Um, we shared life together. We were in covenant, um, and our heart began to burn for a culture that we were experiencing in Bethel to uh, experience that again in New Zealand. And so um, we were sent from Bethel. Uh, Eric Johnson was our uh, our main person that was really um, with us, uh, uh, just giving us his blessing to plant Bethel Church New Zealand. We did that in 2010. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sorry, 2011. So it's coming up. Um, we just had our fifth birthday. Come on. And, um, mm-hmm. So, yeehaw. That's awesome. And <laughs> it's just been an amazing journey. Um, but a part of that journey was, so we planted our church in 2010, and our core value system was, our deepest core values are, we're going after the presence, love, and honor. But really, the way that we were expressing the kingdom was, we were like, more like soldiers, um, bring the kingdom, mm-hmm. let's do miracles, let's break the kingdom into this nation. And it wasn't until 2012 when we were coming to do a missions trip to the Philippines. And, you know, when you're on the missions trip, one of the leaders on the missions trip, you know, you're meant to be giving out. But that's when I saw Papa Leif incarnationally through the Filipinos at DMI, I saw the way that they uh, were operating in a spirit of sonship. And that is a part of my journey deepening into a sonship. Wow. Tell, that, that's, um, it's, it's, I mean, I've obviously had the privilege of hearing some of the fleshed out version of that story. That's the succinct, um, the succinct version. But um, I, think, I think it's just incredible how those those three pillars kind of fleshed out into the fourth and we can talk a little bit about that more with the family being added into that and that journey as well but uh tell us tell us a little bit about where you're from actually tell us about where is Whangarei sorry Whangarei is two hours north of Auckland Auckland is New Zealand's largest city mm-hmm. so that's our main international port um um it's a small town it's 40,000 people in the city 70,000 in the district it's in Northland. Uh, the byline for the city is city of 100 beaches. Come on. So it's Come beautiful. On. We love it. We love, we love surfing. We love fishing. and um, The hard work of rest. The hard work of rest, yeah. Come on. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's great to have you here and, and, uh, and be in Atlanta with us. And we're excited that you've made the trek over here. And uh, So I think one of the things that I'd really love to hear a little bit about is... Um, what it was like, Andy, for you, um, you, in terms of, as Leif just sort of introduced us, you first connected with the family through um, DMI, Destiny Ministries International in the Philippines, and Paul and Almira and their amazing team yeah, there. And, amazing. Uh, and then it was some years on before uh, you actually connected with, with, with Leif himself. And mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what that journey was like for you in a sense of, uh, I, I suppose, what what are the highlights for you in terms of of that journey and that connection? Sure. Well, in 
2009, that was when Papa Life came to Bethel. And yeah, I, you said you preached 40 sermons because there was a big draw on you. But I, so I remember actually trying to track that sermon and it was like, <laughs> well, where are we going here? This is an amazing journey, but we're going, we're going lots of places. But one thing that you said that absolutely stuck with me, it was sonship before any other ship. Sonship before leadership, before discipleship, before apostleship, before any other ship, sonship. Now, I felt so much uh, Holy Spirit on that. I felt, wow, this is amazing. My problem was I didn't fully understand what that meant. Uh, I knew it was to be true, but I couldn't quite grasp it. I didn't know the posture of heart, the posture of spirit to step into that. And that uh, statement coincided with me. Um, I'm going to get there. My backstory is I was born again in 2001, but really I only, I only really knew Jesus and Holy Spirit when I reflect back. Wow. In fact, I remember uh, as a young man, just touched by the Spirit, baptized in Holy Spirit, but looking up under the stars going, Jesus, I love you. You saved me. Holy Spirit, you feel so amazing. But Father... You seem, and I, that was when my theology, it needed a bit of tweaking. Yeah. <laughs> it was only like six-month-old theology. I thought the Father was the Creator, and uh, which is wrong. They all were involved. <laughs> um, but Father, you seem too mysterious to me as I was looking up at the galaxy, at the Milky Way. Uh, you seem too distant to me. You seem too big for me. Mm. I'm not going to think about you. I'm just going to focus on Jesus and Holy Spirit, making a vow that day and I had theology to help support that view uh, and even in my theology he became the father figure and the, uh, became more like a master a judge that I just sort of tucked away so it wasn't until late 2008 at Bethel that I began to meet uh, Jesus's Abba perfect father mm. Papa and there's a story behind that that I'm not going to go into and so that coinciding with what Papa Leif said, sonship before any other ship. Um, so in 2012, as I'm there and we're kingdom people to the core and we're, we're seeing the miracles, we're seeing stuff taking place, and my heart is so wanting more. And when I beheld the Destiny family, I said to our team, hey guys, let's bring family into one of our deepest of core values we were just presence love and honor mm -hmm. let's become presence love honor and family let's pursue mm. this wow and that was the beginning of pursuing family and uh, because i was so moved by uh, the filipinos there uh, they would talk about this event in may 2006 and i watch as tears would stream down their eyes mm. and i'm so moved as they say, oh, May 2006, <laughs> when the Papa's love, the Father's love came to us. Oh, when we didn't no longer became an orphans, but we became sons. We no longer were an army, but we were a family. Mm. Oh, everything changed for us in 2006. Mm. And they're, they're crying together. Wow. And I'm watching the way they loved one another, this great love. And now I have a dream of imagine um, people coming into our churches. Mm. 
and seeing the way we love one another so well in family and going, oh my goodness, look at this love. This is what I've longed for. What must I do to be saved? Salvation through family. Mm. How, do I, how do I meet the God who ha- helped orchestrate this? Wow. So that's just a little bit more of my journey. Yeah. I think uh, I find that that whole the your core values, you know, uh, would you say it was presence, love, honor, and then added family? And I just kind of saw this picture. It's almost like family is the is the ground upon which presence, love, and honor can dance upon. You know, it's it's almost like the oh, environment goodness, yeah. that within family presence, the presence, love, and honor can actually be cultivated within family. Yeah. And uh, so I don't think it's really actually a fourth value that was added. I think it was a foundational value that was was kind of put in underneath the other three. To, Major in foundation. Order for them to be able to rise up. So that's exciting. Yeah. But as we pursue that foundational core value, the the ultimate environment for uh, presence. You know, when you think back to Adam and Eve, mm. it was they would have it children they were to have family mm-hmm. and they were to do that and it was to be in perfect relationship with papa the way he made it family is the ultimate wineskin right from the beginning um it's it's the greatest wineskin for the raising up of sons and daughters mm. family is the ultimate soil to nurture sons and daughters that th- then go on to reflect papa and reveal papa sons reveal the father Better than servants. Servants are really good at revealing a master, hmm. but sons reveal the father. And so, wow. and so, yes, you're right. It is a foundation, but some sons and some fathers need to pay a price to get to this. Uh, like we have the vision of family, but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Is the story of our church? Sure. And so we see it. We know what we want. This is what it is. Once we get there, we're churning out sons and daughters to reveal the Father across the planet. Major mm. revival. Awesome. But we're not there yet. We're on the journey to this picture of family. Mm. So we're saying to our leaders, hey, we need some pioneering sons, some pioneering fathers who will pay a bit of a price. This is going to cost. While we don't yet have family and while we're on the journey to it, mm. when we get there, oh my goodness. Mm. And so I think... Uh, for us, uh, we have this beautiful company of people, this family of people who are paying a price to mm. see mm. family. But we trace that back because we've seen it. We saw it. Uh, we saw it at Bethel, and we saw it mm. uh, even even more at uh, in the Philippines, exposed deeply mm. into it. Mm. Leif, one thing uh, I just have a question for you uh, uh, is: last time we were together, we obviously had the privilege of being with Papa Jack Taylor, and that was an amazing opportunity just to glean his his grandfatherly wisdom. And uh, and uh, one of the obviously one of the well known stories is that um, a significant part of your journey is that he he said to you many many years ago, uh, "I don't know what it will look like, but I only know it will be entrusted through family." Mm-hmm. And uh, in reference to the kingdom, and I think that really birthed for you a journey in terms of pursuing. Uh, cultivating family and what does that look like and and so I, I kind of am curious curious to hear your heart in a sense of hearing Andy's um, I suppose real heart of sonship towards coming into the family and serving the family what does that do for you what does that encourage you with no I think if just hearing his story of course uh, it, it makes my heart very yeah you, my heart is just rejoicing I'm leaning towards it when I'm hearing mm. feeling and uh, 
at the same time, but what we mentioned, uh, if you ask me in the middle of year 2016 years ago, what is your dream? It's very clearly nations. It's sure. to disciple nation. It's to finish the unfinished task. It is to get the gospel of the kingdom into the darkest places in the world so that every nation, tongue, tribe, and language can experience in Jesus. And then when we have finished that unfinished task, every ethnic group I've heard, then Jesus is going to come back and then we're going to go experiencing heaven together. So it was very clear that what I've lived my life for, what I was dying for, had seen so tremendous things. So the thing what I had my baptism of love and with Papa God became a son and Jack Taylor became a spiritual father and we are walking together and asked Papa this is almost 16 years ago December 2000 uh, 2000 yes it's 16 years ago mm. anyway so uh, then I asked Papa Jack Papa because he always talked about the kingdom if you're mm. talking about you squeeze Jack Taylor as we heard kingdom comes out. his kingdom that comes yeah. out it's yeah. just that so I asked Papa I mean, you talk about this kingdom and this cosmic crisis, rules, reigns, the universe, kingdom template, seek first again. I mean, I've been listening for hours to my papa talking about a kingdom, and I had my concepts of the kingdom, and I've read some books, but still, it's a fine limb as a Norwegian. It's like, okay, tell me, how does this look like, papa? How does it look like? And he says, son, I do not know. All I know, it will only be entrusted to family. What I didn't realize at that moment, 16 years ago, a father expressed, and the way he did it, I, I can remember it so clearly. I can see where we were walking in Satellite Beach in Florida, right where the sand dune. I can still see it 16 years afterward. But what happened was a seed went into my heart. And, and I started to ask the question, Papa Jack does not know. What I didn't know from that moment and was shifted, before I could tell you what my dream was, now I could tell you what my vision was. But I didn't know how to look. So that started my pursuit and my journey, not just as a son, but because my father has a dream and I could see that when he described it, but he hadn't seen it. We didn't know how it looks like. Then for me, how does kingdom family look like? And that was a long journey and painful journey, the, the roughest journey I've ever been on in my life mm -hmm. in the sense of it was almost easier to, to be a bulldozer in the nation than not just being a son, but also out of that sonship, the first five, six years. Uh, one example is kind of a fun because Papa Jack, he probably, I think he, he maybe made a little fun of it last time without going into the details, but I spent these few days, night and then pretty much with him sitting at my father's feet and I honored the wisdom and revelation, but I'm like with a notepad, and I asked question on the kingdom and everything, everything I could figure out on this. And I left there, I was so excited. I mean, I have 12 amazing revelations no, I didn't have before. I left there as a wealthy young man, leaving my father. And he had looked at Frida, I didn't know it at the time. So this was in early in 2005. And he shook his head and looked at Frida and said, that boy is in for a lot of trouble. <laughs> he <laughs> thinks you can get the kingdom. But the kingdom is about to get him. He thinks you can study in the kingdom, but he does not know the kingdom is studying him. And I remember the very day when I was totally broken down and had been in a treatment center and came out of that. That's when the statement came with it. Because I had a sonship towards Papa Jack. Over five years we lived this. I tried every way to be a good son to him. We did a lot of things together and even married Frida who was my personal assistant. I mean, so we had a long journey, but I mean, the more I tried, the harder this almost became because everything I'm pursuing is something that is impossible. So in a sense, but when everything crashed and the sonship, the apostleship, I mean, 
this storm hit me in five months and I've already told that story before but when I came out of that molting season started December 2nd 2005 and eventually by the end of April when you finally survived there was this tiny little boat called Sunship was the only ship that survived and at that moment now my focus because before then I was a son but I was a father I was an apostle I was this I was that but now at that moment so at that time period every day including today i talked to papa jack today but i start to wake up in the morning with papa god and also with papa jack i say papa jack not because i need anything because before then i wanted a father because of what he's going to do for me but now the rest of my life i'm because what i do i put an expectation on the father instead of now it was an expectancy on my father that led to hope and that is all I'm going to do is with Papa God, as well as Papa Jack, is just to be a son. Muslim leaders, just to be a son. Different places when I came, it was with Bill or Randy, wherever I go, I'm going to coming in to be a son. How can I add value to these people? But no hook and no agenda. And I wouldn't have known how to do that. And that's the story where Paul Yado came into my life right afterwards to show me to be that kind of a son without a hook. It's like, now you have an authentic $100 bill of what sonship looks like. Now I can look how to be with Papa Jack. And he started to father me our father Paul and his ripple effect 10 years ago and that's what we hear the story now mm. what is taking place so it's amazing what's happened in 10 years so in terms of uh, I know that uh, one one of the things that uh, you often talk about is um, you know just uh, unity in diversity and recognizing that not only is everybody welcome at the table at the family table but we all have something unique that we can bring and I suppose one of the things that's exciting for me is, as I have had the privilege in the last sort of 12 months to some, meet some of these amazing sons and leaders, is to see the different flavor that they bring to the table. And I suppose, uh, wh what are some of the highlights for you in a sense of connecting with Andy and Matt and the team at Bethel New Zealand in terms of just, uh, I suppose, um, encouraging them to come alive in their, own, uh, in their own unique way through family? I think the joy for me is when we started to connect heart to heart because of Paul and Almira, they saw that I, I, I didn't think I had to sell anything to them in regard to when they came to me and asked me to come. It was actually with Chris Valentin. Could we come to them and to be able to add value here? So when we connected heart to heart, I think that what Paul and Almira and the people beforehand had showed them the fruits of this. So it didn't take me a long time to just connect heart to heart because there was not a whole lot of agenda. It was more, we are looking for something, we're pursuing something, how does this look like? And I think we could discover together. It was not so much, let me see what you carry and what your place is at the table, but it is, let's uh, spend some time together, hang out together. And we've done that in different places, both as couples, uh, we've done it with the kids we have eaten suppers together we've been Sri Lanka nations together I mean so all those things so I think it's more let's live a life together for me it's also to coming in as a spiritual papa and to be a father in this because mm. to get the clarity and voice to see the uniqueness to be able to provide language because from our perspective it's, it starts with the identity and that identity is built on a foundation and the foundation that's where you build a family on when you have a proper fa family and from that family there's a culture and you have to have a culture to change the culture. And with that culture, there has to be a language. So while I was just in Norway, they spoke Norwegian. I can tell you where Norway they were from based upon the accent. But each one of that tells me also the culture. If you're from mid part of Norway, I almost can tell you what the climate is there just based upon their accent. And it's a similar thing. It was more than also, there's a lot of things they did and they did very well 
and they did it intuitive and pretty much what I'm coming in and saying hey I see who you are and what you're carrying or you're doing intuitive you can do this intentional and here also what you're doing is you also have something here unique that is up in North New Zealand and some of the things that you are who you are and what you are carrying here there's something that the Philippine needs of that it's not just what you can get from but you have something to add. and then I'm saying to the Philippines you see our family here in Bethel and then we started a little bit of this journey together so when Eric Johnson and myself was there and just started to hang out with them and started to recognize one of the biggest impression it did was a welcome where they had the natives of the land and they did what they call a haka uh, the yeah haka a porphyry which is a traditional welcome a traditional and it just because of i almost start crying because it brings me back to that experience but just how they honor the people of the land mm. and when they brought me in both eric and myself as, as two papas here and to see the natives of the land and they did this whole incredible rituals we have it in my office here the gift but it did something with me to honor the roots and i realizing how they are honoring the roots because honor is what love looks like mm -hmm. and part of that honor it did a deep impression in my heart how do we honor the roots in the different countries and one of the redemptive gift that they have what is the redemptive gift of new zealand so already one of the first time i was there was like wow it did something deep in me how do i get the nutrients out of the experience i just had and mm. it's hard because i start crying just thinking about it mm. so from a honoring in the way they welcome to the next moment hunger is another thing honor is one thing but it's hunger they are sitting down there this is what we have and this is what we know but the first step is i don't know what i don't know but the second stage is now i start to know what i don't know so there's an element of here's where we're at in our journey here's where we're seeing in heaven of where god wants to lead us this is our calling this is the destiny of our soul how, how do we go there and i think that i got the joy of not just while we're there together from text to calling on the phone we started a journey together and that has continued and penang malaysia was a very special highlight when i just started to sense here's who you are and you're 15 20 minutes bring your special sauce mm. here we have 22 nation and you were there also scotty and then and i still remember very clearly what andy brought to the family table and how he added value to everybody else and this is what the other one carried to a family table and that was the joy i think that that's a great that's a great uh, little rabbit trail to maybe go down just for a minute is that um penang uh, malaysia uh, i think it was september last year september 2016 mm -hmm. we gathered uh 22 nations i think it was <laughs> Uh, and uh, it was an amazing time of, of family and, and just diversity. And, um, and, and as Leif said, you, you obviously shared a little bit there. But what was that experience like for you? I mean, some of these people you had already connected with and met with, but you're seeing a, a much, much broader range of, of the family coming together. What was that experience like for you in terms of seeing, seeing that gathering and experiencing that? What was that like? Well, that was um, uh, actually a major uh, marker in my entire life. Wow. Um, so we had been tasting family, going after family. And to be honest with you, I was uh, preaching it more than I was. I was talking it more than I was walking it. Only because I didn't know how to walk it fully. The family, uh, my heart um, could not engage fully. Um, so we were still looking for more ways and more the, the postures of the heart in terms of sonship, uh, how to father from that place, uh, um, 
how to how to build divine kingdom family mm. uh, what what ingredients in family um, that the spirit is leading us on um, to bring to the table so that people can begin to experience this dream this this dream that Papa Jack had of I do not know son but I do know the kingdom will only be entrusted to family and um, so I think part of that is um, it's this supernatural belonging it's when it's it's when we shift from 100 200 in that room three or four hundred people I think uh, 400 individuals shifting into um, from 400 individuals individually individually worshiping Jesus individually worshiping the Lord to a moment when it's one person from 400 voice boxes a family it's a, a linking of arms and we're doing this in one heart and there's a supernatural it's belonging and I, I've been trying to search for language around what that is. I can maybe articulate it around John chapter 14, where Jesus says, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. In other words, I'm going to talk to something about your heart. Uh, and then he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. Mm-hmm. And then a bit later on, he says, I'm going to go off and prepare a place for you. And then a bit later on in that passage, verse 3, he says, so that where you are, so that, sorry, where I am, there you can be as well. Yeah. We can be together. So what he's saying there is, hey, I have a place in my heart. Here's a place that I found where I am in the Father's house, where there's room for you. I'm going to prepare room for you in the Father's house where you've got space, a place, a seat at the table, a place of belonging, you're welcome to this banquet and you can experience that not as like a motivation for um, when you die one day make sure you get right with Jesus so that you can then go to this place Mm. that is true but also what is true is that's not just a future tense reality that's something that Jesus was teaching I believe his disciples to be able to experience a place of belonging in their heart. And so when that moves corporately as a move of the Mm. Spirit into an environment, into an atmosphere, and people begin to taste that, they're stepping into belonging, which means they're stepping into divine kingdom family, they're stepping into their place at the table, togetherness. um, Instead of working for that belonging, I think many churches, um, it's many people are working for belonging. And let me true in our church, people are working to belong, working to belong. But we want to transition that because, hey, what happens if you already just belong? Hmm. You already belong. Hmm. And why don't you work from that place of belonging? Hmm. And so all that work for something that you already have, once you live in that place and you live in that high place of belonging in the Father's house, Um, The work is so much more fruitful, so Mm. much more effective Mm. because you're not working for something um, that you that you already have. Mm. And essentially, I think what you're talking about is a chair number one lifestyle. Yeah, it is. That's that's at at the very crux of it. It's what um, what we're focusing on. And it's what uh, I I think the the, the key here, I think, as well is is language. And, And I think that's something that I'm keen to hear from both of you about is that life obviously I think one of the biggest gifts that you've given to the body is is language yep. in this season where you're helping the 
the body to articulate what um, what this kingdom family looks like, um, both on an individual level as well as on a corporate level. And and obviously it's interesting to, to be able to hear it from both of you. I suppose, Leif, if you want to maybe reflect on that a little bit, but I'd really like to hear Andy from, I suppose, the receiver of some of that language, um, how yeah. that has helped to bring clarity to the church, how it's helped bring clarity to you as a leader as well. Sure. I think that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, I could just say that... Uh, a lot of this language is like anything else. The way you learn a language is by sometimes also uh, uh, not being able to articulate it. So like English is my second language. Frustration. Frustration and yeah. trying to articulate. So yeah. for quite a few years, even as we talked about it, it's easy now if I'm sitting with Andy and, and, and they have been sitting at the feet because we are not, not describing just something that we're learning. Uh, we are starting talking about a language uh, of, of something that we have birthed. So it's kind of you've been pregnant for a long time and you carried something. So in the earlier stages, we described what you were pregnant with, but it's still in the womb. So you're describing a language for something that you cannot see, touch, and prove yet. Mm. But you're, you're pregnant. Mm. It is alive. It is clear. So when the language was there, it was very different for us than, I mean, the first time I saw the birth of it was in the Philippines. But then I saw it birth larger in the nation in Penang. So another birth in our event at the Kingdom Family Gathering, the last event here in Atlanta, the last mm -hmm. meeting. So these birthing. And then I saw the Norway again just recently again, some mm -hmm. birthing of that. And now I'm seeing the ripple effect around the nations mm -hmm. was taking place. But with that language, because I, I, what is fun for me now is I'm hearing, it's not just Andy, but I'm hearing all over people using language mm -hmm. that I've used for all these different years. And they're starting to pick up like this is a brand new language. And they start to describe it and they start to share it. And I see their faces. So using scriptures, it's like even some of the ones when I'm hearing about the first time I used baptism of love. And it's like, didn't hear anybody talking about it. But a lot of this language there for years, but it takes a long time before suddenly people have realized that, ah, oh, that's what's happened. That was my mm -hmm. baptism of love or mm -hmm. wow, sonship. No, I was a, so like the new language for us just even, oh, the, the difference between being a son of blessing compared to a son of inheritance or daughter, it's not the gender thing. So it's only three, four years ago. This was so helpful for me because yeah. Catherine lives in my home. She's 20 years old, but she's a daughter of blessing. She gets the benefits. And there's nothing wrong with that. She gets benefits living in the home. But eventually she has her dream, and I'm going to help her to fulfill her dream. There's nothing wrong with that. But it explains the relationship. But before, I would take everything that I have and give that to her. And, and then you need to start to test and making sure that there's going to be a responsibility of stewarding inheritance. So when we realize that, that if you are, if Jesus poured his life into 12 people that was going to be entrusted with inheritance, or what he carry? There was multitudes that got it, signs and wonders and miracles, the 72. But that I have 12 people that I'm going to trust with that. And each one of them had a different responsibility of love according to what it can have. When we got a language for that, it became so much clearer to be able to see where we're at in the process of these things. Mm -hmm. And when I then provided language, then suddenly I'm seeing now in 22 nations, people are including here a lot of our churches in the States. As soon as we had a language, it started to become clear from Casper to Kalispell to Aaron Simmons. He comes to me one day and he will probably listen to this. But he calls me and says, I, I didn't say a word yet. And he says, Papa Leif, I want to apologize. He's a pastor and a, a firefighter. And he said, I just want to say when I came in to be a son, I did it actually because this is the father that I needed or wanted and spiritual father. Because I know that's, that's what I needed. I needed a father. But I realized I came with a motive of what a father I needed instead of just being a son. So I just pretty much what he says is, I put expectation on you. 
and then that's what I wanted you to live up to. And if you lived up to, that would be great. And if not, it would lead to disappointment. So when he described that language, I didn't, I knew this, but when he described the language, and now when he released, I said, I give expectancy. Expectancy leads to hope. Expectation leads to disappointments. So when he then described that to me, something happened. But something happened with a lot of the people at Upper Room the Church. Because they are now coming to him and saying, before you're trying to figure these things out, they are just coming and saying, we have no agenda, but we just want to be a son to you. Including his other family member. So these things start to explode. Casper, same thing happened. And in other places at the Hope, with Fred and Pat, so when these things happen, so something happened with me, that became a bit of a ripple effect to see the thousands of other people then that the language of ah, sons and daughters of inheritance and the shift that that took place. So anyway, that's, uh, it's been fun now for me to see that this language is becoming, I'm not saying clear, but it's becoming much clearer because we are mm -hmm. talking about something we can see, touch, prove, we see it's a mm -hmm. kingdom family culture. And it took 14, 13 and a half years from the time of Papa Jack. Wow spoke that and I carried that and it almost See. killed me a few times and almost killed him a few times before I'm standing there in front of a thousand people and Papa said this is how the kingdom looks like mm -hmm. and when Papa stood there with tears in his eyes and that was the time when you guys met us and when he described that to me it was one of the biggest dreams and joy in my heart because what I realized in all these years it was not my dream it was my vision but my dreams of the nation and now all over the world I have sons nations. and daughters that are dreaming of nation and they're receiving nations everywhere including what we just heard today from one of your daughters in Uganda and these things is happening all over the world yeah. because that had been my dream from the beginning yeah. but for all these years I had a vision for somebody else's dream and then Papa God says now it's time for you to dream and wow. it's almost hard because I've been so clear with vision for somebody else's dream and now I said no dream on nations and then all over the Philippines and a thousand <laughs> thousand Filipinos in that room just say, hey, if you need us in Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, whatever you need, we give our life. Our businesses, we give everything. I didn't ask for that. Mm -hmm. It was not like, hey, let's do an altar call. Who will be willing? Yeah. It was just something that happened in the spirit at a moment. Something happened with me and Papa Jack. And I started just to dream about nation, just catching that dream, sons and daughters around. Started to have a vision. They had a vision for a nation. And this is one of the things we have in common, if that's Indonesia, if that's Pakistan, if that's Cambodia, if that's all these nations from Mozambique. And wow, these nations, the orphan spirit is going to be broken, but there needs to be a culture to change yes. culture. And it is a family culture. And that culture needs to have a clear language. And that's what we are learning together. And all of us with a different accents are coming in. <laughs> but I think that the tone is becoming more clear to the degree now the whole nations is asking, can you help us to learn this language? And we're moving from talking like orphans to learning how to operate and talk as sons and daughters. And that's the journey we're in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a um, conversation with Aaron and uh, he's such a great guy and he shared that with me. He said, uh, I repented from covenanting with life to get a father to covenanting with life to give him a son, the gift of a son. Wow. And wow, that struck <laughs> me, you know. How many people with the orphan heart that all that they want is, I just want a papa, I just want a papa. But the expectation that that places on the papa to need to uh, have the fridge full all the time for all these sons and daughters and the pressure. And I can imagine and I've felt some of that myself in my own journey of being a spiritual papa. And um, so, that's when I began to pursue um, in Penang when I was with you. Uh, because we 
step because of the covering of a papa and you papa life you stay stuff like a plus to start you belong before you've even set the set the exam you have an a plus um, so we're already in that place of belonging so there was the covering of a father there which created the atmosphere for belonging and but I saw um, in Isaiah 9 6 it says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and on his shoulders and uh, and the government will rest upon his shoulders and we know that the government was the kingdom we know that this kingdom is ever expanding kingdom that we're each called to carry as kingdom ambassadors. But when I read it closer after that conversation with Aaron, after being with you, I saw it's given sons that have the kingdom resting on their shoulders. So there's and it something... is the kingdom and peace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, given sons. So there's something of this given overness in the heart where where we realize I'm giving over my heart as a son and that is the qualifier for being a kingdom. Now I know that that is a scripture speaking of Christ, but we see the pattern. Um, we, we learn more about this given son in John 3, 16, when, he, when the father gives his son and he carries the kingdom into the world. And we see what, what took place in, in the time of Christ, the crucifixion, the resurrection. Um, but I had been asking this question, if um, God sent his, or a given son once into the world when he looked out over the world the father looked out and he saw the pain he saw the brokenness and his heart of love compelled him to move and act and that action looked like I'm gonna give this given son then as well as that being an absolutely magnificent event the sending of Jesus um, which is marvelous beyond words but it also, I believe, lets us into something of the ways in which the Father works. That as he continues to look out over the world today, and he's still seeing the pain, and his heart's still moved, action, his, the action of love looks like he's still sending sons, but it's this givenness of sons that carry the kingdom. We are given sons carrying the kingdom into the world. And so I think with the spirit of sonship and this place of belonging, it... It, it makes it, we we it causes our heart to posture. I think sonship's the heart posturing of I'm given to this. I'm going to add value. I'm going to give good. into this, um, into this dream of our purpose. What would you say is the difference then between the position of sonship or the posture of sonship? Have you thought about that one? Well, I know, um, I believe that you can discover uh, kingdom core values like honor, for example. Let's just take honor, which is a major sonship attribute. Every son is an honoring son. But you can learn, you can observe honor and you can learn the teaching principles. Hey, honor will open up these doors for me. Honor will be really good for me. Um, if I honor really well, Doors will open up for me and I can have success. So I can therefore see that success and wear honor, but, and, and it will work for me. Mm. But I'm just wearing the culture because I've seen that it works and it will work because it's a kingdom way. 
But however, um, to the extent of how deeply that works, that's where I want to put the question mark. Because I don't want to just wear culture. I don't want to just wear honor because I see that. I don't want to just uh, talk sonship language because I see that um, sons um, have doors open to them from fathers. In fact, I know that sonship opens up doors to fathers. Um, so I could therefore be tempted to use sonship to honor and posture towards fathers so that they open up their doors of favor for me so that now I have influence into their followers. But I, I, I really do believe you're going to get found out. <laughs> I really do believe that not wearing these things or wearing the language, but having your heart baptized into this, paying a bit of a price, and also, I believe, being ultimately a son to Papa, mm -hmm. where you're forged in the secret place with him, and he speaks to you, and you hear from him, as well as your spiritual Papas, you're my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Uh, then you're not just wearing something that you know is kingdom successful, but it's in your heart, it's who you are. And so I think that might be the difference between a positional son and uh, the posture of a son. Uh, it's a heart posture, a subtle heart posture. And um, I don't think that we can do it um, with spiritual fathers alone. I think, um, as I've been thinking about this, we do it with our spiritual papas but we do it holding the hand of our Papa. I think Jesus, when he was saying in John 14 about um, in my Father's house, there's many rooms, he was answering so much of their, their sonship needs just from him and just from Jesus being God with them. But he was restricted in his body. He couldn't do that for everyone. He knew he was leaving, so he knew he needed to point them to Papa as well. And it, that obviously, for someone like myself, can alleviate a lot of pressure off my shoulders because if we can point out people to not only honor their spiritual papas but receive what they're really wanting from their spiritual papas from the Father and, and just, you know, our spiritual papas, as amazing as they can be, will not compare to our Heavenly Papa. <laughs> yeah. And so this partnership. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. It is the spirit of adoption that says, Abba, Father. It is the spirit of sonship that says, Abba, Father. So I think that as soon as you try to remove the Holy Spirit away from the equation, that's, it's the spirit. Yep. So even when we talk about it, it's a fathering spirit, the spirit of Elijah, a fathering spirit, which mm -hmm. is connected to the Holy Spirit. So sometimes also I think we sometimes trying to figure out the father-son paradigm and to do it separately from the Holy Spirit, which is one of the worst things. That's why I said yeah. it was part of my journey for the first five years. Yeah. And I don't have any problem with being a son with Papa Jack. That one has become very easy, but I didn't make that choice in a sense. I just, mm. I got shipwrecked. It's kind of a Jacob. It's, I just think it's so interesting, this story about Jacob, because he was in his mother's womb. And at that moment, he wanted a father's blessing. That's what he wanted. Even while he was he wrestled with his brother and he's called heel grabber and holding onto the heel. It's like... He wanted a blessing, mm. even while he was in his womb. And you go through this whole life of this person that constantly is looking for a father's blessing. And he's only, I mean, and he goes through everybody, always find another way to do it. And even in the moment when he came to Bethel, an angel were ascending and descending, and he was there, and he says, well, God was here, but I didn't even recognize. I didn't even know it. 
but he has stolen a blessing from his brother Esau, but he's still looking for a blessing. But this one day when he had his wrestling match, I'm not gonna let go of you until you bless me. So some of us have had the experience that we've had a blessing or we got the blessing here, but there's still this last thing. But when he came up from that, he couldn't, his hip joint was out of place. That's his biggest strength. Something has been touched. And from that very moment on, he became an Israel. He became a prince. He had a new name, he had a new identity, he had something else. And he learned for the first time rest. Mm -hmm. And when his brother came to kill him, now the Bible says, when I saw him, I've seen the face of God. I had never seen that oh. scripture verse before, but when you see Esau with 400 men, when they come to kill him, when the terrorists is coming to kill you, but now you are, look at the book of Hebrew. He leaned on the staff. He learned the hard work of rest. He built an altar to worship, worship in spirit and truth. The way he blessed Joseph's son, he crossed his arms, meaning the supernatural is natural. That's the evidence of you are now in Israel. But then when you see there, he came to this point, but he got a whole new name, whole new identity. Mm -hmm. He became an Israel. Mm -hmm. He became a prince. And out of this very identity, now even when the enemy comes towards me, he's so one with Papa God as a prince. I'm his prince. And when you attack me, you attack Papa God. He was so one with him. But, but even when Esau came, they embraced each other. This is also how we're going to see terrorism being solved. I have a whole session on this whole thing of meeting radical terrorism with radical love. But that one there really did something for me 10 years ago in this wrestling match, five months and every single night. I mean, you have all of that stuff. I'm a son, uh, but this wrestling match to become an Israel, become a prince. And from that very identity. And that's what something happened. The restlessness and rootlessness for the first time in his life was gone. He became free. And when he became free, he didn't need it, he could be trusted. When you don't need it, you can be trusted with everything. And it's an incredible feeling. To stay there is a different story. That's chair number one. Mm -hmm. And I forget that. But if you can then remember that the biggest strength in your life, the hip joint, <laughs> is gone, and then you walk with that limp again. And God only trusts people that walk with a limp. Because there's a place where your biggest strength has been dealt with somehow. And that's why he gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud because there's a place where, but you wrestle with God and win and how do you do it? You get pinned. So that's a so much beautiful part I think of the sonship journey is just becoming a prince. I'm no longer Jacob, I'm a Israel, mm -hmm. I'm a prince. Seeing you the way that Papa God sees you, thinking about you and then how you see everybody else is so so different so that's uh anyway i just was overwhelmed by that story again of israel of jacob when he became a prince and there's all over the place i've never been to a place where i'm not seeing that cry that is going on from everywhere to be able to get that but why is it all of this time all we wanted was this thing and you spent a whole lifetime trying to get what papa always wanted to give you mm. wow mm. That journey is, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think trying to do kingdom family without the spirit um, is is even in our church. Um, we we went with so much vehemence after family. You know, whenever I get up to preach, people was there was some some confessed that they would roll their eyes. Because I'd say, today I'm going to be preaching on the kingdom is a family. And they're like, this family thing again. And, and, but it does bring up a lot of pain. It brings up so much pain because family is the place where they got hurt. Mm. 
and now you're the preacher and you're asking me to go back into these places of pain again and and connect back into family which is the very place that I experienced so much pain um, I just want to jump in there what a I mean, that, I think that's something that we're hearing from, we, we hear from a lot of different yeah. communities, a lot of different churches, and I think it's not unusual because, mm-hmm. as you say, for a lot of people, family is not a positive memory. It's not a positive experience. And um, I suppose well, the thing I'm curious about is how are you dealing with that? Like when you're staring that in the face, yeah. what is that looking like? I mean, I know you, you've got things so like good. School of Sonship and you've got, you're, you're exploring different different training and equipping and obviously some restoration tools but what does that look like for you guys i mean obviously it's a glorious mess but you know yeah, what, does, glorious what does it look like yeah i mean the the the, the son heart longs for family so does the orphan heart mm. uh, both long for family so that's why family is so awesome because it's speaking to the son it's speaking to the orphan and it's hopefully um putting pressure on the orphan heart mm. for uh, the orphan to uh, meet with Papa, hear from the Father, you're my beloved son, you are am well pleased, mm. and begin the journey out from that orphan way of living into sonship. Mm. Um, but we, we're honest. Um, we say, this is the vision, this is what we're heading for. There's a gap. Mm. And can you help us uh, fill the gap? Can we ask of you to be some of you to be our leaders, be pioneering sons, be pioneering fathers? We there is a price we do know um, to get this, um, and so we're understanding that it triggers people. It brings up a lot of pain. We make sure we have our sozo ministry going alongside this, and uh, we talk about our own. We open up and we talk about our own. Um, pain our own insecurities and in, in family so that mm. people can identify that we're all on the journey together going into family but for us this is a this is a pearl of, the, of a great price that we're not going to back down on back down mm. on we've seen that um all of creation is waiting for sons the father is abba is looking for sons jesus is uh, in hebrews 2 10 his leadership philosophy he says uh, the son is leading many sons into glory holy spirit is the spirit of adoption he's adopting sons that's father son holy spirit creation all these four pointing at one thing sons Hmm. daughters rising so i know the greatest nurturing environment the greatest soil for this to happen is the wineskin not of business that will create great workers not of a military camp that will create great soldiers but the greatest wineskin is family for sons so that's why we're not going to back down on this and that has been painful and people have not been able to overcome the orphan expectations on us and um, but we have been so understanding of that journey and i think to honor people's journey too it's not you don't click your fingers and you step into family and sonship i think one of the and you you mentioned this this morning i think one of the keys to this is um and i know this you know you'll probably jump at this but to the one of the keys is vulnerability and i think as a leader you know it's something that life um, really cultivates in the way that he teaches and the way that he engages with a lot of communities is the power of vulnerability, the power of your own story, your own journey. And I think that that's a really key part in family. It's like if we create a culture of trust, 
and create a, a safe environment that we, we're titling family that maybe is a new rep- a new presentation of what family can look like because for a lot of people family has not been a place of trust That's it's right. not been a place of um it's almost been a, a, a place of of uh, survival yeah. um, and endurance and so i think that to create a a new um, presentation of what family culture can look like it really does center on the need for vulnerability to say hey it's okay that you're not perfect it's okay that you've had bad experiences we're not excusing those experiences but let's explore together in covenant relationship what a healthy dynamic can look like massive yeah yeah this is this is a huge from our from our church family this is a major component Uh, vulnerability um, has been huge for us to cultivate an atmosphere in a, in a, of kingdom family. Um, I love what Brene Brown says. She says that the, uh, our imperfections, which are the things that we think, because I'm imperfect, that therefore separates me from others. And we're ashamed of our imperfections. Mm. And so it doesn't create connection in our thoughts. But she says, hey, actually, our imperfections are the very things mm. that each human has. Mm. We can find common ground on these. Mm. And rather than drive disconnection, they can create connection. And wow. um, I think a huge part of family is that feeling of not only belonging, but connection. So we've been on a journey of vulnerability to I, I got this from one of the pastors in Auckland, a great spiritual papa in our nation, Tim Stevenson from Horizon Church. He says, mm. all of our leaders, and we've adopted this for our leaders, all of our leaders are in the vat together. <laughs> What's wow. the vat? Mm. Vulnerability, authenticity, and transparency, mm. which creates connection, trust, creates belonging, creates safety. Mm. And we're doing this together. It's a... It's, it's more of a language around family and mm-hmm. the days of uh, faith being um, denying your problems, denying your heart, for me, are, are over. I want a true faith where my heart is allowed to have a voice and Jesus isn't this big rug that I sweep all my problems under, but I can come before the, before the Lord at a, in a place of vulnerability which takes trust which the father loves because if i can share him not just the religiously acceptable parts of my life mm-hmm. but hey i'm really struggling in this insecurity in my life right now father mm-hmm. then papa goes wow he's chosen not to wear his best religious robes around me mm-hmm. wow he's let me in he trusts me more he values that so much and he comes in and um that creates just such a, a culture of ah, everyone's like breathing a sigh of relief um, we can be on a journey and we can be doing this together and we be, can be connected wow in this journey that's awesome and i, I honestly papa life i honor you for your vulnerability um, the way that you're able to uh, in your when you're vulnerable you're bringing people into your heart mm. and what's happening is you know, someone like yourself, and I hear a million Muslims saved, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, he must just be one step down from Jesus. And then for you to share, hey, um, I'm going through this battle right now, makes everyone in the room go, ah, because I thought I had to be perfect to see that. Mm. But ah, I see that I don't need to be perfect. 
what Brene Brown says, I'm imperfect and I'm enough. I think in, in, in the gospel, I'm imperfect and I'm more than enough. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's good. I just thought about a story. Leanne used to be, a, and she's a, both a spiritual daughter and pastoring a great church. But she was for over seven years with us. And I remember one of the trips she was with me where we had about 400 Muslim leaders around. And just, it was almost like, I mean, and I'm just using this because I thought about she was not aware because she knew the humanity side of me for all these years of being around you, being in the office and dealing with this. But you have not, I mean, being with me in Cuba and Africa and other places. But when she came there and saw, in a sense, the uniqueness, the special sauce, the very thing, and saw 400 imams, the love came in and the atmosphere. I think it's almost two weeks, but she couldn't talk. She, she was just undone by it and still today all these years afterwards it was one of those encounters in a sense of you were not even aware you could hear it or you see it on the video but that's not the same so it's just an interesting uh, when you're talking about when you see that side and that's also another thing to be able to see each person the way the papa god sees them that is a uniqueness of the family when i'm seeing leif emmanuel or catherine or Lila or Courtney sitting there at the family table and what you see about each one i know about all of their weaknesses they know about mine but nobody, including my own wife right now, is greater cheerleaders than your own family, knowing all of your weaknesses. Mm. And that's something I think is just incredible as a lesson in our spiritual family as the family of families are gathering together. Mm. Yeah, to be accepted. Like, this is one of the tests of family. Hey, here's a weakness. Here's an insecurity in me. Hey, guess what? You're not judged. You're not pushed to the side. You're not, you failed now because you didn't perform just right. It's we love you. And hey, this is our area of weakness in my life, and we're going to connect in our humanity. But we love you, and I think that's 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 um, Jesus embraces us as we are, and He comes into our world as we are. He doesn't leave us there; He lifts us out. But He's not in denial about you know this this whole area of giving a heart a voice. Um, been such a journey for me and family because. You can't do family up in your head. It's got to be a heart-to-heart connection. I want deep relationships, so therefore, I don't want head-to-head. I want heart relationships. And that proverb says, watch over your heart with all diligence. Out of it flows all the issues Issues of of life. life. So Mm. what do you mean, watch over my... And I had been... I had sort of been... um, The way I thought of Christianity was, um, my heart speaks, shut up heart. Jesus says this, my heart speaks, shut up heart, the scriptures say this. So I was denying my heart and calling that faith and wondering why, because wow. if you don't, if someone's talking to you and you just ignore them, how many know they start feeling pretty unimportant? Yeah. And so I think my heart was after years of religion, feeling pretty unimportant. But how many know this heart is the best thing I have to love well. <laughs> I can love pretty well up here in my head. You know, we can talk theology, we can talk sports, and, you know, I can I can love up there. But compared to a heart-to-heart love, oh my goodness, the heart mm. loves so much deeper. So I had to learn how to give my heart a voice. And part of that journey has been the vulnerability journey. Part of that journey has been um, letting Jesus into my heart even when my heart wasn't doing what the scriptures said I should be doing. Now, of course, I honor and love the scriptures, and I want my heart to align with this, uh, you know, some of the things of victory that the scriptures speak about. Um, 
but I began that journey of uh, giving my heart a voice and sharing that with our church and our family and I, I think it's created a heart connection which is a huge part of Kingdom Family. Wow. Well, it's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to hear you share about that and just to see the journey unfold for you. And I think uh, to finish off, no, no better way than if maybe you'd like to just release, release what's on your heart and, and the fruit of your journey over the people that are listening, that they might, be, um, they might embark on that same uh, exciting journey towards family and what that looks like for them. It'd be wonderful. Yeah, just pray over them. But I thought very important before you pray, you mentioned very beautifully from the Matthew 13. Sometimes you release in your prayer because when people are opening to receive now, they either receive a seed and then just receiving that in a good soil and a heart. So when you release that spirit of sonship, it often comes in a seed format that's Sorry. kind of going in. And now just realize the seed starts to grow and you feel all these opposite things coming out. It's just because the seed is growing compared to some people who have a birth when you pray over them. And that just means they've been pregnant for nine months and now the water breaks. So I just want for people that are aware so that you can steward when Andy now prays over you. For some of you, it's going to come like a seed, but it is happening. It's there. You become impregnated with this very thing and start the journey, enjoy the journey and let that grow, cultivate it until it becomes you. And the other ones, if the water breaks right now, rejoice. The season is over and well, there's a birth of a whole new season for you to stepping into this incredible thing that Papa God has also for you. So I release that for you to pray over us, Andy. Wow, what an honor. <laughs> oh, so Father God, Papa, <laughs> oh, we lean back into your arms, Father. And as we lean back, we're so aware of uh, the way you smile, uh, the joy in your heart, the, the smile uh, just coming off your face towards us, Father, the acceptance the embrace. Mm. We're so aware that uh, John 14 is a present tense reality that we have a place in your house. There's a seat for us that you open to mm. us, Father, that we're all invited to the kingdom banquet table. The invitation is open. And so, Father, I thank you that the uh, the spirit of sonship. I thank you, Father, that the, the, the kingdom dream that you have, Father, mm. for your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, Father, is entrusted to sons and is carried on the shoulders of the given sons. And so, Father, I ask right now for a givenness of hearts and into the hearts that are open to you right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the revelation that burned in the Apostle Paul's heart, Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope of your glory filling the earth, the hope of nations, Father, coming into your presence uh, is found in Christ in us. And Christ is the Son, the Son in us. <sighs> so I ask for that spirit of, a son, of adoption, the spirit of of adoption that adopts us and where we can just cry out in our hearts, Abba, mm. Father. Lord, I ask for the hearts to open. Father, I just, uh, on behalf of anyone that's been on that journey that I've been on where I had a Jesus who was more like a, a rug that I'd sweep my problems under and deny my heart mm. for. And for years I went without giving my heart a voice because of a religious expectation of how I was meant to live. Well, Father, 
uh, on behalf of anyone else who's experienced that, I just say, heart, I'm sorry for not giving you a voice all those years. And heart, mm. you're very valuable. And heart, you're the one who receives the spirit of adoption by whom I cry out, Abba, Father, in Galatians. And so heart, you have a voice. And so I speak life and the spirit of adoption and I bless you in Jesus' name. And I declare hearts, you can open up to the Holy Spirit pouring out the love of the Lord inside your hearts. The Father pours out his love into our hearts. Hmm. In Jesus Christ's name, Father, bless them with a heart of sonship, a heart of daughterhood hmm. in Jesus' name so that we can be a given sons saying, yeah, it is my greatest joy to give myself to you, Father, as a son. Woo-hoo-hoo! And sign me up for the adventure, Papa, of shifting nations because given sons carry the kingdom and the kingdom fills the nations, Father, in Jesus' name. So I prophesy and declare, Father, uh, sons and daughters rising as the ultimate son, as the ultimate expression of revealing the Father heart of God to a nation right now in a season where the Father's love is pouring out and people are stepping into sonship and craving family. I prophesy and declare in the name of Jesus Christ, the pioneering sons to help build a kingdom family, even when wherever they are at, they may not yet have it. I speak that you can do it. I believe in you. You've got what it takes in Jesus Christ's name. Mm. So I bless you and be blessed. Amen. 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 What? Wow. Well, thank you, Andy. It's it's great that you could be with us. Um, that was that was just uh, mm. very insightful, and uh, we're we're so honoured that you made the the trek to Atlanta. Not just for this podcast, obviously, <laughs> but uh, just to be with family and to be with leaders. And and uh, for those of you who would like to connect with us more, you can visit our website, globalmissionawareness.com. Uh, if you're hungry to be at one of our family gatherings, we have two this year. We have one here in Atlanta for August 24th to the 26th, and we have one in Penang, Malaysia, September 22 to 24. Uh, so all of that information is on our website. Uh, but yeah, be blessed, and uh, we'll be back with you next week.